six is where we're going to be at and have the opportunity after being sitting at home for three weeks to go down to uh, a Christian school in Standish and and uh, I preached this message to them uh, so I, I got to, to uh, go through it once and they gave me a time limit and I stuck to it almost I did <laughs> I was close I was close I was only about five minutes off but uh, Ephesians chapter 6 uh, we're, we won't read the whole 10 verses but we're going to read just one verse, verse 17, and only half of that verse, and then we'll get into the message. Uh, it says, and take the helmet of salvation. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you do give us. God, I thank you, Lord, uh, for the promises that we have, Lord, and uh, in your word. God, I pray that you that you would help us now as we talk about this, this uh, piece of armor, Lord, that you've given to us to to prepare us, Lord, for that day of battle, Lord. We know that day is today. It isn't tomorrow. It isn't next week. Lord, we're all facing uh, and in the midst of the battle right now. I pray, God, you'd help us uh, to fully understand what what this uh, this is, Lord. And, and, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives, Lord, that we might be able to stand and to, and to continue on to persevere in our Christian life. Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for the strength that you give us. Lord, that we can't do any of these things on our own. Lord, I can't preach without your help. God, I pray that you'd help me this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We've been talking about for the last several weeks, well, at least not, I, I take it back, not for the last three weeks, uh, but, for the, but for several weeks before that, we've been talking about being prepared for the day of battle. Uh, we we uh, talked about how we are in a spiritual battle, and you, uh, while we cannot see the army that we're battling against, while we cannot see uh, the, 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 our, our foe or our enemy, we know that he's there. The Bible tells us that he is. Uh, it's a spiritual battle that we face. We see that there in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not, and uh, this idea of hand-to-hand combat, combat, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, uh, we do have an enemy. His name is Satan. Uh, he, he, he is busy. His desire, uh, he's not just sitting around waiting to see what's going to happen. Uh, uh, in fact, he knows what's going to happen because he knows the word of God is true. He believes in God. He knows God. He he was there and and and, and tempted Jesus Christ Himself. He was he, he saw when He was crucified, and he I'm sure he he rejoiced at that. He also saw when He rose again, and he didn't rejoice anymore. We know that the the, the battle uh, the war has already been won, but there's a battle that we still face on a daily basis. Because what what Satan can do is while he cannot take your salvation, and while he cannot take your home in heaven, and while he cannot cause God to to not keep the promises that he's given to us, what he can do is get us to doubt the word of God. He can get us to doubt the goodness of God. He can get he can get us to quit and to run away in instead of battle. And listen, you don't see that hear about that much anymore, but have you ever heard of somebody going AWOL? They don't want to be in battle. Those that are in the military have heard, heard that AWOL, absent without leave. Back in the... The Civil War, uh, that back when they uh, they were fighting those battles, there's a book that, that I loved reading when I was a kid. It's called The Red Badge of Courage. Anybody ever ever read it? 
it's a it's a story about a young man who goes into battle uh, but he doesn't go in bravely he runs away he sees the enemy coming and he turns and he runs just like everybody else and somehow he gets he gets hit in the head and and knocked unconscious and when he wakes up they think that he got injured in battle and that was his red badge of courage it was all a, a farce it was all fake listen satan satan cannot beat you he cannot have victory over you but he can certainly cause you to run he can cause you to quit he can cause you to fall so we've been going over the, the, the pieces of armor that God has given to us. Verse, verse uh, uh, 13 says, take unto you the whole armor of God. We can't just take a part of the armor. We need to take the whole armor of God so that we might be able to, and we talked about this, to stand and to withstand. Uh, we're to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're to stand uh, against the deceit and the attacks of the devil. Uh, not be moved. And this idea of being an immovable object. We're, we, we're not to step back. We're not to run. We're not to... We're, we're not to fear and run for our lives. We're to stand there under the attack of the devil, and we're to withstand those attacks. We're, to, we're also to move forward in this. Now, most of the, the parts of the armor that we've read about are mostly they're defensive in nature. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness uh, and the, the loins being girt about with truth. We talked about, the, uh, we talked about having the shield of faith and uh, uh, the, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, today we're talking about, this morning we're talking about another piece that is defensive in nature. It's something to help us to be able to stand against the attacks of Satan. Verse 17 says this, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, when I was younger, I used to wonder what that meant. What, uh, what does it mean to take up the helmet of salvation? Uh, do we understand this was written to Christians, right? It's written to believers in Jesus Christ, people that, that already have salvation. Now, uh, uh, some people would say, well, you need to take it up. You need to keep it. Uh, but the Bible doesn't teach me that I keep my salvation. The Bible teaches me that I'm kept by the power of God. I didn't do anything to, 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 to cause myself to be saved. Uh, the, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, not by works of right. Or not, uh, it says that the, it's, not a, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, we're told it's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. I can't be good enough to, to be saved. I can't work hard enough. I can't be a part of the right church. I can't dress in the right clothes. I, I can't give enough money. I, I can't be good enough to get to heaven. But I have a Savior who died for me and saved me. So, it, and I, amen, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for my salvation. But this says to take up. The word take means to, to take up, to put on. Can you put on and take off your salvation? Nope, not doctrinally. The Bible says that, we're, that, that uh, Jesus said that uh, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. And that, that the Father is greater than I am, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. The Bible says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Uh, I, I, I cannot be, that seal cannot be broken. I cannot be lost. I cannot be stolen or taken from God. So I can't lose my salvation. Why does it say then for me to take up and to put on my helmet? Well, let's talk about it for a moment. First of all, we need to understand this. There are three parts to salvation. Uh, uh, there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future. You say, well, what are you talking about? I thought you were saved. I am saved. I'm being saved, and I will be saved. 
and, and I want to break it down. If you, if you can write down these words, you can study them out for yourself. The, the first word we'll look at is justification. Uh, you, 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 it's a big Christian word, and a lot of times we use it, and people that aren't saved don't have a clue what that means. I'm justified. So very simply, it means this. God looks at me just like I've never sinned. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I don't have to be continue to be saved from the penalty of sin. When God looks at me as a, as, as a child of faith, he sees me as saved. Positionally, I'm already saved. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that, that, that I'm already seated up in heaven. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm still here. You know, anybody ever made a reservation for a restaurant? I took my wife out to Central Place. Just so you know, I didn't get her flowers, but I took her out to dinner for 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 Valentine's Day. We went to Sedgley's Place. Uh, it, it was a it's a very nice restaurant. If you've never been there, uh, they serve amazing food. I had prime rib. It was a wow. It was good. I had to call them. We had to make reservations. You can't just go. They have a five-course meal. It's just absolutely perfect. If you've never taken your wife there, guys, take your wives there. Uh, it isn't cheap, save up, but, but it, it's worth the food if you can taste it. My wife lost her sense of smell and taste when she got COVID. But it was good for me. <laughs> oh, goodness. But I had to make a reservation. Did you know that if somebody else tried to take my table, they would not have been allowed to have my table? Do you know why? Because it was under my name. Now, I may not be up in heaven yet, but the Bible says I'm seated with Christ in heaven. What does that mean? My name's already there. I, 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 I'm already there. It, it can't be taken away from me. I can't lose it. That, that home, I, I am saved. And I, I cannot lose that salvation. That's the, the past work of Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross and he rose again, that blood that he shed was taken and placed upon the altar for my sake because I deserve to die. I deserve to be taken to, to spend an eternity apart from God. But now that's not going to happen because I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ to say, well, how can you prove that? Romans chapter 3, 24 through 28. Let's take a look at that real quick. Just turn back a little bit. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 says this. We'll start at verse 23. It's a good one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me. That's also you. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. It's a big word. It means payment or atonement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. What that, what that verse right there says is that God has set Jesus Christ to be my payment through my faith in him and what he did for me to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. So God gave me his, the righteousness of Jesus Christ and, and forgave all of my sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my justifier. Where is boasting then? Is, it, is, it is excluded 
By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I am justified but what, by what Jesus Christ did for me. I am justified by my faith in him. Not my works, not who I am, not my heritage, but by my belief in what Jesus Christ did. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he rose from the grave, that he is God, and He that he is the, and completed the finished work of salvation. Amen? I'm saved by that faith. I'm justified by that faith. God, does, God looks at me and is, as, as wicked and as evil and as sinful and as many mistakes as I, as I make, as terrible as I can be. God looks at me and he doesn't see my works. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't see my, my, my heritage or anything like that. You know what he sees? He sees Jesus Christ's righteousness. I am saved past tense. That's, that's what, when I say that's the first part of salvation, that's, that's what we talk about with salvation. That is the salvation that we, that we all understand. And it's not a ticket to heaven. It's, it's the remission or the forgiveness of my sins because of Jesus Christ. There's a second part to, to salvation. See, he, I am saved, but I'm also being saved. It's the present work of salvation. We call it, in, the, in a big Christian word, write this down, you can look it up later, sanctification. It means, it means that, yes, I'm already saved. God looks at me, but God's not done working on me. While the Bible says that all things are passed away and all things become new, I'm not perfect. And everybody says amen. If you're saved, you're not perfect either. You still make mistakes. You still, have, you still, you still, still fail. You still sin. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 tells us, that I am very confident of this one thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's still, there's a song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun, moon and earth, and Jupiter, and I don't remember all the words to it. The, the thought, the idea is that even though he created everything, he's working on me. And he's making me more and more like Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He's praying for his disciples. And he's also praying for us as future disciples. He says, he says Father, sanctify, or, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. We're told in 1 Thessalonians that, that we're renewed by the, by the, in the spirit of our mind by the washing and the regeneration of the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 15, abide in the word and the word will abide in you. As, as, as we read the word of God, as God, and we meditate upon the word of God, God uses the word of God to sanctify. A big word means cleanse or cleanness. He changes us to, into. He's changing us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now I'm not perfect, but I can trust, just like Philippians one six says, that one day I will be perfect. But it will never be on this on this earth. It's not until the third part of salvation. So I'm saved from the power from the penalty of sin. I'm I'm saved from the power of sin now. I'm, I'm delivered from the power. I don't have to sin. If I sin, it's because I, I made that choice, right? 
The third part is this. The third part of salvation is we had justification, sanctification. Here's the next word, glorification. One day I'll be saved. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I'm saved from the power of sin. I'm being saved from the power of sin. Guess what? One day I'm going to be saved and free from the presence of sin. One day, that, that, that part of me that lusts after things, that part of me that, that, that thinks of me first, and that, that part of me that sins, and, and, and listen, the Bible says that there's, that even Paul said, the things that I would do, I don't. I'm paraphrasing. And the things that I don't want to do, those things I do. What's he, what's he talking about? He's talking about that internal battle in every Christian. That you Man, you want to love God, and you want to do what's right, and you want to serve God, but there's a part of you, your flesh, the old man that we're supposed to put off. Man, that part of you, well, it's lust to do the wrong things. It, it, it wants to please you, not God. And there's that battle between us. But one day that battle's going to be over. One day, when I, when I see Jesus, the Bible tells us, and turn, turn with me, if you would, to, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to read verse 12. I, I, I think I gave you the wrong verse. Verse 2. There we go. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I'm saved. I'm the son of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, that's Jesus, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. The Bible says that when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him. How, how will we see him? Glorified? Perfect? 1 Corinthians 15 says this. It says that we're going to go toward, towards the end of, end of the chapter. It says, uh, we'll start reading in verse. Now we'll go to verse 30, 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? They're talking about the resurrection. Thou fool, that that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. But bear grain, it may chance of may chance of wheat and of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So he's giving us a metaphor of planting a seed. What you put into the ground as a seed is not what's going to come up. It's, if you put corn in the ground, corn's going to grow, but it's not going to be the same as when you put it, put it in the ground, right? It's going to change. It says, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And he's just saying there's, there are so many different types of bodies and flesh. Now he says here in verse 41, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, my body is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in, in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. The two of them are different. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's talking of Jesus Christ. Howbeit, that was not the first which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Verse 51, jump down to it very quickly. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last sound of the, uh, at the, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on corruption, and this mortal, this body, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I, I am in this body now, but I won't always be in this body. One day I'm going to be in heaven, and, and that flesh, that, that corruption, that, that, that sinfulness, that wickedness, it's all going to be gone. No matter what difficulty, listen, you, you can get COVID. I had it. it. For some, it's not a big deal. For others, it can take your life. But listen, that, that, that's, that's, that's a, a, something we have to bear, a burden that we must go through, the trial must go through on this earth. But it isn't forever. You may be suffering because of some physical ailment. You may be suffering, suffering because of financial problems. You may be suffering because of a loss of a job or a broken marriage. You may be suffering all different kinds that can cause you discouragement and trouble. And can I tell you this? You have hope no matter what you're going through because this isn't the end. When you take your last breath on this earth, when, when, when you come to the end, you open your eyes as a child of God in heaven. That is the glorification, the third part of salvation, free of this body and in the presence of God for all eternity. And that is what we call the hope of salvation. And that is the helmet of salvation. Do you know how I know? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 8. But let us, Christians, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. You know what, the hope, what hope does? Now, we, 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 I've mentioned this before, but uh, the way that we understand hope is different than the way the Bible is, describes hope. Brother, Brother Donnie, it's your birthday this week. Are you hoping for a birthday party? No. Are you hoping for a birthday present? If you could hope for any birthday present, what would you hope for? What's that? A motorcycle? Brother Donnie is hoping for a motorcycle. If, he, if, if Amy was here and I asked her if you were getting a motorcycle, guess what? The answer would probably be, no, 
So you can hope for something all you want. That's how we understand. That does it, but it doesn't mean you're going to have it. I, I can hope for a million dollars. I can I can hope for uh, for a, a bigger motorcycle. I, I can hope for all kinds of things, but those things probably, most likely, aren't going to happen. But when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about a longing and a desire for an expected end. See, I have hope that one day I'm going to see Jesus. And guess what? The Bible tells me that one day I'm going to see Jesus. I, 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 I can have hope in my future salvation because God's Word promises me that I can have that hope. And I can not just long for it and desire it, but I expect it to take place because the Word of God tells me it's going to. So, so here he says that, that we're to, to, as part of this armor, we're to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, why would God describe the hope of salvation uh, or as, as a helmet? I think he's very particular. There's a reason why. God doesn't do anything by accident. What are helmets for? They protect our head. It is not to keep you looking pretty. I, I have seen people wear helmets to, so they uh, sometimes I've actually heard this, that a helmet just makes you a pretty corpse if you're riding a motorcycle and you crash, if you're going fast enough. Uh, it just makes your face not get all messed up. And that technically is true. But when we're talking about the, the, the helmet of salvation, it's not there to keep your face pretty. right? I, I don't have a pretty face. I don't need to keep this pretty. Uh, uh, but what I do have is something in between my ears. It's called my mind. Almost all of us have one. Now, why do we need to protect our mind? Because most of our spiritual battle is going to take place right here. Most of the spiritual battle takes place between your two ears. That's why God says we're to gird up the loins of our minds. It's, that's why the Bible tells us to, to take every thought into captivity. That's why the Word of God tells us that, that whatsoever is good, whatsoever is perfect, whatsoever is true, uh, uh, to, to think on those things. Because that battle is going to take place right here. This, this morning, uh, for sake of time, I'd just like to uh, tell you that there are, th there are three things I have written down here that it ways that Satan is going to attack our minds. And, and, and we can protect ourselves with the hope of salvation. The first one is this. Point number one. He's going to attack us through doubt. He's going to attack us through doubt. What do I mean by that? He's going to cause he's going to try to cause you to doubt the word of God. He's going to try to cause you to doubt the veracity or the, the truth of the word of God. Do you know how I know he will do that? Because he has always done that. If we had time, we'd turn back to Genesis chapter three. But you all know what he did to Eve. He said, have God said, and he made her question the words of God. And she, re she responded and said, well, God said this, this, and this. The problem was she, she was wrong. She said, God said that if we touch it, we'll die. He did not say that. He said, don't eat it lest you'll die. 
So it caused her to, to doubt the word of God. And listen, we live in a day and age where the world is going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. Uh, from for all the way from the very beginning in the in the in the act of creation to, 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 to revelation and the and the looking forward to our hope of salvation. The, the world is going to try to get you, Satan is going to try to get you to doubt the truth and the veracity of the word of God, the word of God. And if I begin to doubt that man, if I don't think there's any hope. Do what the Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. If I don't have any hope, I can grow weary, I'll get discouraged, and I'll quit. There's a story of a man, it's a true story, I don't remember his name. He was, a, he was a, uh, an officer in the military, a lieutenant. Uh, he'd been, uh, he, he'd been, uh, his plane had been shot down in Vietnam, and he was looking for the day when they would come and rescue him. He was in a prison of war camp. Every day he would get up and he would shave, he would, he would do the best he could to keep his uniform clean, and even though they didn't feed him well, they didn't give him a, a, a he did, but he did everything he could to, to make himself presentable. He would do push-ups, he would do sit-ups, he would, he'd spend a lot of time uh, uh, trying to keep his mind busy, to keep his body busy, to keep himself presentable for that time when the rescue came to get him. But there was something they used to do back in those days. Uh, the enemy, uh, what, they, what they would do is they would mess with your mind. Uh, and, and so they would listen to the radio, and, and, and there would be a, a radio station that was specifically meant to, 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 to and played there in Vietnam. That if the American soldiers heard it, they would give them false news and false. And, and they, 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 over a period of time, convinced him that there was no hope of rescue. That... that that he was never going to get out of that prison cell, that he was going to die there, that he would starve there. You know what happened? He stopped cleaning himself. He stopped shaving. He even got to the point where he stopped eating the mess of whatever they called food that they gave him. Until one day, somebody slipped a note through the bars. They said, the Americans are coming. The next day, he got up, straightened his clothes, shaved his face, and he began to prepare for what was coming. See, he, he had hope again. He had lost it for a while, man. He gave up and was ready just to die because he doubted because he lost hope. But I thank God for the hope that we have. Listen, if you begin to doubt the word of God, you, you doubt the promises of God. You, 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 doubt the, you begin to doubt the truths of the word of God, and you lose the only hope that we have here in this world. The only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. You can have all the money in the world, and guess what? The people that are famous and have tons of money, they still, they're looking for something. They get stuck into drugs or relationships or all of these things. They're always looking for something to fulfill themselves. Guess what? They're not going to find it unless they look in the words of Scripture that tells them about Jesus Christ who died for them. It's the only hope that they'll ever have. That's why people kill themselves. That's why people give up because they don't have any hope. 
man, God, uh, Satan will attack your mind and cause you to, to doubt the word of God. He can cause you to doubt the goodness of God. God, God provides for us, and God is good to us in so many ways. But, but listen, we all go through trials and tribulations. Does the Bible promise us that we're not going to go through trials? In, in fact, it tells us that if we're saved, that we will be persecuted, that we will go through those things. But sometimes in the midst of the trial, it's, it's hard to trust the goodness of God. How could God be good and still let this happen to me? Satan did that to Eve, too. He says, hey, that, that, that food right there, it's good to eat. Remember what it, says, what it says? She saw that it was pleasant for the eye, and it was good to eat. Why would God not give me something that's good to eat? So you need to doubt the goodness of God. If you're going to doubt the goodness of God, it can cause you to lose hope. The third thing he did was he caused her to doubt the plan of God. Uh, 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 what he did was, he said, he says, listen, God doesn't want you to have that fruit because it'll make you wise. It'll make you like a God. And when she saw the fruit, she saw that it was good, pleasant to the eye, good to eat, and would make her wise. Well, there's a reason why God didn't want her to eat that, because she'd see herself in her sinfulness. Right? It wasn't until she partook of that fruit that, 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 she, that she saw that. And what happened immediately, they realized they were naked. And what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of God. What was God doing? He was protecting her. Sometimes we don't trust the plan of God. God, if you're good, you let this happen in my life. God's, can I just say this? God's plan is always better than your plan. God's way is always better than your way. It may not look like it from where you're sitting, but God's up in heaven, and he's got a, a big panoramic picture, and he sees how all the puzzle pieces come together. You don't know what's going on in your life other than the, that little section that you're looking at. Don't doubt the goodness of God. Don't doubt the provision of God. Don't doubt the plan of God. God's plan is perfect. He has, uh, he has omniscience. Uh, he knows everything, and he is good. Don't doubt those things. If you do, it can cause you to fall. It can cause you to run. Now, the second thing, the second way that Satan attacks our mind isn't just doubt, but discouragement. Has anybody ever been discouraged as you serve the Lord? It's easy to get discouraged. Satan likes it when you're discouraged. You know why? Because you're likely to quit. But just because you're discouraged doesn't mean you're not a, a Christian. Some of the greatest men of God got discouraged. Doesn't mean that there's necessarily something wrong with you. It just means your eyes are on the wrong thing. First uh, uh, Kings chapter 19, for sake, of, for sake of time, don't turn there. First Kings 19, Elijah, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, just in the previous chapter, had an amazing victory uh, on, on Mount Carmel. He prayed and fire fell from heaven, and all the people of Israel said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. 400 prophets of Baal were all slaughtered. Man, he had, he had Ahab and Jezebel on the ropes. He prayed, and the rain fell. And he raced down that mountain, and Jezebel heard what he did, and she looked him in the face and said, you're going to die. 
And he said, man, that God was big enough to light the fire and do all those other things and give me all that other victory. But that is one scary woman. And he ran. He went so far with the servant that he told his servant, you stay here, I'm going on alone. And he ran farther. All that running just made him tired, by the way. Don't run, it's a bad idea. He was exhausted, just coming down from a spiritual high. He was all alone, he was by himself. And Satan is attacking his mind. And he gets out in the middle of the wilderness, and he sits down by a tree. He says, God, I'm all alone here. You might as well just kill me. And he fell asleep. Did God kill him? No. He woke up and there was an angel there. And the angel fed him, gave him water, and he fell asleep again. He woke up and the angel fed him again, gave him some more water. And then he continued on in his journey. The Bible says he traveled for 40 days on the strength of that meat. God gave him what he needed. But he was discouraged. You know what God also told him? You're not alone. There are 7,000 that haven't bowed their kneel, their knees to Baal. See, when we're discouraged, man, it's, we can become tired. We can become overwhelmed and overworked. We can think that we're all alone, but look around you. Know that God is there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And even if you don't see it, there are others. They're there beside you, and you can't quit. You must keep going. Why? Because they need you just as much as you need them. There is nothing more more terrifying. Uh, there, there was nothing more terrifying in the, uh, in, in the battle back in the days of the Civil War when you were standing there trying to face, face your enemy, uh, loading your gun and, and see somebody fall beside you. And somebody fall on the other side of you. And then two or three start running. What do you think is going through your mind? I got this by myself. I'm good. No. Fear begins to creep up. We're going to lose this thing. I'm all by myself. And guess what? The next thing you know, you've dropped your gun and you're running as fast as you can. Why? Because you're discouraged. And you're all by yourself. Satan will put those thoughts in your mind while you're serving, serving the Lord. As you try to stand there and fight the spiritual battle, you think you're all by yourself. You, you don't think that, that, that there's anybody coming. You, you, you don't think that there's any hope of victory. But you're forgetting the promises of the Word of God. And that discouragement can cause you to run. And that's exactly what Satan is trying to do. The third and the last thing I have for this morning the way Satan attacks our minds is dismay. It means fear. Now, you can be afraid and still stand. That's called bravery or courage. But dismay is one step beyond just being afraid. Dismay is when you're so scared, you don't know what to do. Have you ever seen anybody like that? As a paramedic, I used to, I used to show up on scene and listen. When people call 911, it's always because there was something wrong. And it was beyond their scope of being able to take care of it. So, you know, a, a, a child might fall and cut their, cut their knee and mama can put a Band-Aid on it. But when the child falls in, into glass and there's a, a, a massive gash that needs several stitches, mama doesn't know what to do and she gets scared and she calls 911. And that's okay. Right? There comes a point where, where things are beyond our, our, our scope of, of, of ability and you call for help. 
But there was a, there have been times when I showed up on scene to, to, to be there, and you would have somebody just running around. They didn't know what to do. They, 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 they're not just afraid. They're dismayed. They have no help. The best thing you can do is to get them out of the situation. I had to tell a mother of a six-year-old girl that she was not allowed to ride in the ambulance because she was making the child terrified. Not a good situation. She was dismayed. Satan can bring fear into our life. And listen, fear is a natural response. It can actually be good for us sometimes. I'm afraid of heights. It's not really so much the heights I'm afraid of or even the falling. It's that landing on the ground when I fell from the heights. But you know what that does? It keeps me safe. Because if I'm up high, I'm holding, I'm always holding on to something. And guess what? I'm not going anywhere unless this thing does. It keeps me safe. Fear keeps me from running out into traffic. It's a good thing. But when we allow it to overwhelm us, we become useless. We're no help to anybody. In fact, we're a hindrance. What do you think happened to Peter when he got out of that boat? Come on, this, he had every right to be afraid. He was the only man, human being, to ever walk on water. I would have been afraid. Now, I'm not talking about frozen water like you do out on, on the lake. There was no ice. He didn't have on special boat shoes. It wasn't testing out an invention. It was in the middle of a storm, and they saw the Savior walking to him. He says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out unto you. And Jesus, in his all wisdom, said, come. He got up to the edge of the boat. You can imagine he's like stepping down. Okay. Once. This is pretty cool. He's walking after Jesus. He's like, this is awesome. I'm walking on water. But then what's the Bible say? The Bible says that he saw the winds and the waves. Now listen, they were there before he got out of the boat. They didn't just suddenly whip up. They were already there. But suddenly, instead of looking at Jesus, man, it's sure windy out here. That's a big wave. Next thing he knows, he's this deep in water. And what's he say? Lord, save me. I'm thankful that he knew who to reach out to and who to call to. There was only one that could save him. He didn't try to swim back to the boat. He didn't try to do anything. He just cried out for help. And praise the Lord, I'm thankful that we have a God who, when we get to that point and we're sinking and we're terrified, we can say, Lord, save me. But do you know that he walked on the water not under his own power? He walked on the water uh, under the power of Jesus Christ. It wasn't because he decided to go out there. It was because Jesus called him out there. He, he couldn't have done that without Christ. And listen... It didn't matter how many, how much wind or how many waves there were, how big they were or nothing. Jesus could have kept them on that walking on that water. But fear caused him to fall. Fear caused him to doubt the, the, what God could do, doubt the power of God, and he began to sink. And listen, Satan will use fear in your life when you begin to look around to the situation and say, hey, that's bigger than me. Guess what? It's bigger than all of us, but none of us bigger than God. We have a God who is bigger than anything that this world or that Satan can throw at you. Because God created it all. 
None of it's a surprise to him. None of it is going to overwhelm him. He's not going to look at you and your problem and say, you know, I just can't think of a way to fix that. He already knows what he's going to do. The question is, are we going to allow that attack of Satan to cause us to be afraid and to be dismayed and to run away? Because Satan doesn't want you to stand. Satan doesn't want you to withstand. But God has given us the hope of salvation to place upon our head, to, to guard our mind from the attacks that Satan has for us. Now, I've got three more passages for us to look at. And, and listen, they all point to the same thing that keep us uh, in, in those times of, of doubts and fear and dismay. Look with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 11. Sorry, Romans chapter 13. We'll go through these quickly. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision uh, for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Listen, he says that, that the night is far spent, the day of our salvation is near than it's ever been. Listen, today you're closer to the day that you'll stand with Christ than you've ever been been before. No matter what's going on, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to, to, to get our mind not on the things of this world, but on the things of eternity, and realize that it's coming, and it's coming sooner than you expect. And guess what? All this will be over, but we'll always be with Christ. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to look at two verses, verses 18 and 19. 18 says this, that by two immutable things, it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth not into that within the veil. Listen, Jesus, our hope is in Jesus Christ, and it is an anchor. It will keep us from moving. It will help us to stand. Listen, we know that the Word of God doesn't change, and we know that God doesn't change. It says here in that verse, verse 18, that God cannot lie. He's immutable. That's what the word immutable means, un unchangeable. Uh, his Word is unchangeable. His counsel is unchangeable. And we know because it's true that we can trust Him, and we can Hang on to him and continue on because of him. Don't turn to it, but Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus, it says that we're, uh, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's run this race. We're, we're to run this race knowing that, but looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep our eyes on Christ. Keep our eyes on, on the hope that we have in him, and it will protect us from the fear and dismay. Lastly, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll end here.
Verse 8 says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church to tell them of the, of, of, of the struggles and the trials that they were going through in Asia as they served God. He says, We would not have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Notice he says that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. He's describing the situation that they were in. They were pressed out above measure. Man, was, they, they were under so much pressure. Uh, they, 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 there was no way to even measure the amount of pressure that they were under. Uh, they, 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 they were stretched thin. They were, they were going through such a difficult time. There was nothing that they would do. It says that they even despaired of life. They thought they were going to lose their lives. Remember all the things that Paul went through. The, the stonings, the, 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 the beatings, the, the, the shipwrecks, uh, uh, all of those things that Paul went through. But notice in verse, verse 9, it says, But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. He says we came to a point where we couldn't trust or hope in ourselves anymore. There was nothing that we could do. So all we can do is trust in God. And I can tell you that is all that any of us can ever do is to place our hope and our trust in God. He says, who, verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death. Do you know what that's talking about? You're the first part of your salvation. He delivered us from death. We deserve death, but Jesus Christ died for us, and now I'm going to live eternally in heaven. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for me, and by faith I've trusted in him. Secondly, it says, and doth deliver. He's still delivering us. In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tribulations, in the midst of, of, of my struggle and this battle with my flesh, he's still delivering me. The second part of my salvation. And in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. What's, where is his hope? He's placed on that helmet of salvation. The hope of salvation. And he's trusting God that God will bring him through no matter what he's done. He didn't, listen, do you know why Paul was able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There was never a point in time in Paul's life where he said, this is getting too hard. I quit. There were, there were, there were, there were times in his life where God did not answer prayers. He prayed three times for God to remove that thorn in the flesh. You know what? He didn't say, you know what? God isn't good enough to me. I've, all, I've, all this I've done for God, and he has not taken away that thorn in the flesh, whatever it is, whether it was blindness or, 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 or whatever it was. He, says, he didn't say, God, I'm not, I don't trust you anymore. God gave him an answer. He says, in your weakness, I'm shown strong. And you know what he said? I trust you, God. Because he realized that the problems he was facing now were just a, a moment in light of eternity. Listen, if you can place your, your hope of salvation, your, if you can wrap your mind in that this life here on this earth is but for a moment, and that we'll have an eternity to worship God free from all the problems, all the struggles, all our tears will be wiped away, disease will be gone. They'll, listen, the vaccine isn't the cure for COVID. The coming of Christ is. I'm, I'm not telling you to be afraid of the vaccine. I'm not telling you to be afraid of COVID. I'm saying trust in Christ for everything. Place your hope in him.
When you begin to doubt the word of God, study the word of God. Study the promises of God. And honestly, for me, I can look back in my history and see what God, God has never failed me. There have been moments when I thought he might fail me. Moments when I questioned God, what are you going to do here? I, I don't see any way out. But you know what he's done? He's shown himself faithful so that now when those, I get into those positions, I, I sit back and say, okay, God, I'm excited to see what you're going to do because I don't know how you're going to fix this. And then I watch him fix it. I praise the Lord. He's awesome. Because I didn't plan that and I didn't do that. God did that. Times when I'm afraid, I say, God, I, I don't know what to do here. I don't know, I don't know how to fix this guy. I, 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 listen, there was, there was one night I sat up all night long with COVID. And I was sick there a few weeks ago. I couldn't breathe when I laid down. At least in my mind, I couldn't breathe. I don't know if I, that was actually the case, but I had myself convinced. All I could think about was ending up in the hospital and on a ventilator and not waking up. It could have happened. It happens to, to sometimes healthy people. But you know what I did? As I sat up all night, thinking, if I lay down, I'm not gonna, I can't breathe when I lay down. I just like to sit up. I prayed. And the peace of God passes all understanding. Come. My soul. And guess what? I fell asleep sitting up. <laughs> and the next night, I was able to lay flat on my back. Well, I snored all night, so that'll tell you how much, how much trouble I had sleeping. Trust God. Place your hope in Him. Don't let the doubts and the fears and the, and the discouragement overwhelm you because it will. Hope thou in God. And he'll bring you through it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word and the promises of your word. Lord, I thank you for the promises of what we had to look forward to. God, I look forward to the day that I stand before you and I see you just as you are. God, I look, I look forward to the day that I, that I know that, 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 that I'll be free of the, this flesh that, 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 man, that holds me back, Lord, that causes me to, to, to fail and to, to sin. God, I can't wait till it's done. God, I, I look forward to that day. Help me, Lord, to stand, Lord, and to be faithful, to be vigilant, and, and to, to do the work that you've placed for me here, Lord. Uh, help me not to let doubts and fears and things to, to, to overwhelm me, but God, help me to keep my mind on you. Lord, I pray for our church and for each one that's here. Lord, if there's one here that's been struggling with fear or doubts or, 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 or discouragement, God, I pray that you would do what needs to be done in their, in their life. Lord, remind them of the power of the word of God. Remind them of the power of the promises of God. Help them to see that for what it is as the truth, Lord. Not to, not to look at their, their, their situations, Lord, but to look at your word. And God, may you help them. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, God, I pray that you might help them to, to be drawn to you through the, through the gospel. Lord, that by faith they'll trust in you and they'll be saved. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.